Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Thank you. Whoops. Uh, good afternoon. I'm Anthony Weiner. And thank you for meeting me in the middle an hour every Saturday at 2 o'clock when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right. And we try to bring some context to the news of the week or a subject that maybe doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation. Uh, so great to have you along. You've got Diego running the board. Kevin's taking your calls. Christian will be in a little later. You can reach us here at 800-848-WABC. You can always reach me at at Rep Wiener or WABCRadio.com to stream this. Uh, do you have a Facebook page, Anthony D. Wiener? It's great to have you along. I'll be with you until 3 o'clock. Then Curtis Lee comes in at 3. You know, Curtis and I do this thing left versus right, you know, and our bumper is on the left and on the right, and the art is us with boxing gloves. But a lot of time we agree. You know, we kind of come from the same place. But this week I read that Curtis is starting up a Republican club in AOC in – Andrew Ocasio-Cortez and Tiffany Caban's backyard, a Republican political club. It's it's it, it, not it, look. It's not a dumb idea, but it is a phony idea. And I'm I got to get into it with him because he and I share this notion that it's the middle more, not the fringes, that should be governing our city and our state and our country. So I've got a bone to pick with Curtis. We're also going to talk a little bit about the pitch clock. I don't may, may, the pitch clock in baseball makes me nervous. I'm kind of anxious because I'm standing there with the clock there. Speaking about anxious, a uh, little bit hoarse in my throat. Got my peppermint tea, ready to go. I'm a trooper. So is Jordan. Jordan, uh, talking about, never mind, Jordan. His mom is the real trooper. Jordan has is up at a hockey tournament up in Harlem at Riverbank State Park, which I found out is named for Denny Farrell, former assemblyman. And this is the closest thing to pond hockey that we have in the neighborhood here. It's the, the arena is open on the sides. It's covered on top. Jordan is going to be up there all day playing an all-day tournament. They're playing 20-minute um, twenty minute to twenty minute games. I'll keep you posted. I'm so proud of that kid. Seriously. I mean, the, the way – I mean, I, I'm not sure what the why I, I get so kind of worked up about it. Maybe because I didn't have anything like this when I was a kid. You know, I played a little bit. I played hockey since I was nine. Most of it was roller hockey until I was old enough to drive. Played in a league – in Sunset Park, there was a rink at 33rd and 3rd, a roller rink, right next to the Eat Some Now, Save Some for Later. Remember those candies? Right next to that plant. And I actually have an old photograph of me getting a trophy from the late Rod Gilbert. Um, I was a goalie then. But I didn't have a lot of experience with – I didn't have experience with coaches and trophy ceremonies, not except for that one, and tournaments and things like that. So I'm really just – it's just – I'm so proud of Jordan for doing that. He's up there. This is – uh, getting close to crunch time in the hockey season. Chad and John, they said, you can talk hockey, but please don't wear us out. There's a reason it's the fourth most popular sport 
Uh, Rangers closing in on acquiring Patrick Kane, getting close to the trade deadline. Islanders had a tough loss last night to the Kings. And like I said, in non-hockey news, so here's my thing. You know, I'll get into it a little bit with, with Curtis. They, the way they're doing this pitch clock is they show the clock on the same screen as the batter because you're, t- you're seeing it from the center field camera. And I find it's making me anxious. Like I'm staring at the clock. Is he going to get the pitch off? Is he going to get into the box in time? And we've already had one one violation of it. Uh, Manny Machado got called a, a strike because you have to step in by at least eight seconds left on the clock. The whole thing is, I mean, I'm sure we got used to it. It succeeded in shortening games in the minor leagues where it was tried. It succeeded in shortening the games they had yesterday. I get that, but I don't know if you're having the same reaction I am. If you start watching these games, there's a clock on the screen. You're like, oh, my God, I hope they get this off in time. Um, And another news for me, maybe you, the callers, can help me through this one. I'm having a little bit of a a health issue, 800-84-WABC. So I told you a couple of weeks ago, I might have mentioned it on the air. I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, I took a puck to the how I play goal in a midnight hockey league, a men's league. Um, took a puck to the head, and I got knocked a little bit goofy. I stayed in the game, probably some kind of low grade, whatever. So shortly thereafter, I started to have kind of cloudy vision in one eye. Not blurry vision, like cloudy. I mean, how else to put it? Like, like a room is full of smoke, and you're looking through that. Only on my left eye. And suddenly, like it came out of nowhere, like the morning after I got up from playing that game. Now, here's one more piece of information. I wear contact. I don't wear contacts for any other reason except to play hockey, and I wear just in that one eye. And so I'm not really experienced with contacts, so sometimes I take it out kind of rough. And so I'm Googling around, and I'm 58 years old, right? So I – 58 or 57? Yeah, 58. Uh, Born in 64. So I'm Googling around and seeing these terrifying things, and finally – um, I go to my, my, the woman who makes my eyeglasses and gives me my contact. She's like, again, I don't wear glasses really. And she says, it looks like you have cataracts. She said, but that's probably not right because you're kind of young for cataracts, 58 years old. So I went to see an eye orthopedodontist, an orthopedist, an ortho, an ortho something, a, a woman who's, who's a doctor of looking in your eyes. And she says, I've got, I need a, I need cataract surgery on that one eye. Now, and apparently she says she doesn't think that the puck is coincidental. She doesn't think the puck hitting him in the head had anything to do with it. She says that might explain why I am a liberal or something. But, but so I have to get cataract surgery and I am a little bit freaked out to this because I'm, I'm, because she said too, you're kind of young for this, but here's what I learned. I learned a couple of interesting things about this. Apparently, it's like another one of these things like Alzheimer's. Everyone is going to get cataracts eventually because the eye just does that. But the thing that spooked me the most, and maybe someone can call in and put my mind at ease, is you're awake for the operation. My dudes, I don't, I don't want to be awake while someone's operating on my eye. Maybe that's just me. But they say it's a fairly simple, simple thing. I haven't told the guys on my hockey team yet. They probably already think I'm blind. They've seen the way I've been playing. So that's what's going on in my life. A little bit hoarse, some eye issues, but I'm super grateful to be here. And uh, let's get to some of the issues today. This is going to be a, a tough, a tough episode to get through everything I want to, I want to touch on. Oh, by the way, after Curtis and I are done at four o'clock, Rob Astorino has um, Congressman George Santos on, uh, and that guy makes news wherever he goes. So be sure to stay tuned. We got your afternoon basically locked here on 77 WBC Talk Radio. 
Um, so let's go to the numbers of the week. And let me start by, by saying this. I am, you know, you know what my manifesto is for the show. The general proposition that while we hear a lot about the left and the right, while the media and the like and, 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 and the media and politics sometimes celebrates the fringes, you know, who says the craziest thing, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene saying we should get a national divorce or AOC saying, saying something. My general philosophy is that what we wind up doing is giving a really loud amplifier or microphone to groups that really don't represent a governing majority in this country and that there's a lot that we agree upon somewhere in the middle. Not that we're not political, not that we're not Democrats or Republicans, just that we are um, – we're, com- we're fairly common sense, not to overuse that cliche. Like we do have the ability to listen to someone else and form an opinion. Also, there are issues that if you draw the Venn diagram of where the left – thinks and where right thinks, you find that there are overlaps. And so that got me thinking about a lot of the legal news in, in the a lot of legal news that made the papers this week and it was on our cable TV stations that were talked about here on WABC Talk Radio. Um, and I should tell you, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I was on the Judiciary Committee. Maybe I'll tell you the story sometime how I almost went to law school. Um, my dad is a lawyer. He's he hung a shingle outside our house on 6th Street. He's kind of like, what kind of law is he? He's kind of like if you're if you're a neighborhood person and you you don't want to go to Jacoby and Myers, but you can't afford like a white shoe law firm, you go to Mort Wiener and he'll take care of you. Um, don't know much about what he did. I know he did like some real estate stuff, some divorce stuff every once in a while. He, he um, laundered money for the drug mobs, that kind of thing. So, um, but... I've been looking at some of the news of the week. I realized that I really like reading about legal news. It's like I like the way to that. I mean, it's because it's got it's a lot like poly, like it's a, like government. You know, first of all, you're making laws, and so maybe that's why. But also, you know, I I like the idea. I celebrate the idea of hearing what the other side has to say and thinking how you would rebut it and the like. And so, this week, numbers of the week. <coughs> forgive me, numbers of the week. No, let me show show me where the cough button was. I wish I could find it now. Um, the numbers of the week are all about the legal news of the week. Um, 98, 98% of the cases in federal court and in a plea bargain, according to a new report that came out this week by the American Bar Association. Um, and they looked at some state courts too. They found out that only 3% of cases go to trial in New York state. And they even found one county, Santa Cruz County, Arizona, that had zero trials in the entire county from 2010 to 2012. And I get it, you know, this idea like, bargain, you save money, you have some certainty on both sides. The prosecutor has some certainty about how much time the person will serve, and the person has some certainty about, you know, that whatever, he, he won't get sentenced to anything. Um, but let's remember what happens. You know, first of all, we have no way of knowing whether those people who pled are actually guilty, right? Because there is no chance for those people they don't have access to what's called discovery. They don't have access to take a look at all the evidence that the prosecution has accumulated uh, uh, against you. Like one of the, you know, if you, if you don't go to trial, you just have to take their word for it. You have no chance in those cases that are plea bargains to discover if there was some kind of misconduct that went on, if there was some kind of error that was made, if there was a lab that did something wrong or anything like that. You have none of that. And it's it's called the trial penalty. It's an actual name for this, this idea that, if you opt for a trial, um, they might charge you with more things. And I experienced this firsthand that I, I, you know, again, I accept full responsibility for what I did, but I only pled 
and didn't go to trial because there was a mandatory minimum facing me. That was three times or two times what I was probably going to get. And I couldn't take that chance. So I never seriously considered actually trying to tell I, I didn't, I'm not going to take that chance. And I can see that maybe, all right, you know, 50%, something like that. But if it's 98%, basically trials aren't happening in this country. And trials are how I think the founding fathers intended for us to find justice was to let a jury of our peers. That doesn't happen anymore. And um, and by the way, and this isn't really a footnote. This is a big thing. They also found that dozens of people that pleaded guilty didn't do the crime. There's, there's an exoneration database of people that were exonerated. Um, and many of them, many of them pleaded guilty. Um, so it's you can't just say, well, they pleaded guilty. They obviously did it. So that's one number number in the news as we scroll through the legal news of the week. Next, 18. 18 months instead of five years is what Alec Baldwin um, was is facing now in his involvement in the death of Helena Hutchins. That's the woman he – well, he, he shot. Um, and why is that? Why did it go from five years to 18 months? Uh, because – they were trying to charge him with a law that hadn't been passed at the time that the thing happened. Now, I know Alec Bowen. I actually like him. I consider him to be – remember, we've, we, we know each other a little bit. I was on his show. He's, he's been a, a friend to me. Huma was on his show. But putting all that aside, that's not the interesting or outrageous thing that they try to charge him for something that wasn't the law. It's what the district attorney – remember what district attorneys do. District attorneys are supposed to try to figure out – whether protect someone's rights of the accused and also try to figure out whether someone did, whether they can make the case beyond a reasonable doubt and make sure everyone's rights are protected. This is what the district attorney said when she announced that they were going to drop this second thing that they had added in error because <clears throat> it hadn't been added to the law by the time this whole thing happened. In order to, this is her talking now, in order to avoid further litigious distractions by Mr. Baldwin and his attorney, the district attorney has removed the firearm enhancement. The prosecution's priority is securing justice, not securing billable hours for big city attorneys. What the hell is that? The DA basically saying we dropped the charge because we don't want to, we don't want Alec Baldwin's lawyers to benefit or calling them litigious. Your job at the district attorney is to make sure that everyone's rights are protected. <coughs> if you could, if you can prove it, and the law was correctly charged. You're telling us that you backed off because he he has a lawyer. And what does that mean to all the people in your county who don't have lawyers? I mean, what does that mean to someone who's poor who can't litigate it or whatever it means? That means you're going to charge him with something that wasn't even the law of the land. I mean, that's pretty outrageous. I mean, <coughs> forgive me. I mean, it's pretty outrageous. But when we get back from the break, I want to talk about the one last piece of legal news. Of the week. I don't know if you've heard about this one. The last, the last number of, of the week is 11. 11 is how old Emily Coors was on 9-11. And when we come back, I will tell you who Emily Coors is and how I know how old she was on 9-11. You're, you're on the middle. See you on the other side. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt. Causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L. On Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.
The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. And welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. Ryan bringing us in with Warren Zevon, Lawyers, Guns, and Money. We're talking about the law. We're talking about some of the legal news of the week. I know I don't like to do hot takes. I guess this is sounding a little bit like a show where I'm doing hot takes. But we're up to talking about this woman, Emily Coors. Now, if you've been, if you've tuned into any cable news this week, you've probably seen this woman. She is the jury forewoman on that special grand jury in Georgia that is investigating the events of um, around the election. And Georgia is one of the places that these investigations is going on because you remember the famous audio of uh, President Trump saying, just find us some of these votes. And there were other things that were going on. There were people who were making allegations that weren't true. Long story short, they've had this, it's going on for a while. And grand juries are one of the, you know, that's one of the ways that we go through this process of trying to determine who should even be charged. And grand juries are usually secret. You usually don't hear from people on grand juries. What they, um, this one is a little bit unusual because this one is now going to hand over its findings to to the district attorney. Anyway, so this woman is the, This is heavy stuff. It could potentially lead to indictments. It could potentially lead to people going to prison. And this woman has been making the rounds, evaluating witnesses, offering little tidbits about jurors, socializing with prosecutors. Um, She's saying, well, actually, you don't have to listen to me. Let's let's take a listen to what she had to say. This is Emily Kors. I will be sad if nothing happens. Like that's that's about my only request there is is for something to happen. I don't necessarily know what it is. I'm not the legal expert. I'm not the judge. I'm not the lawyers. But I I will be frustrated if nothing happens. This was too much. Too much information, too much of my time, too much of everyone's time, too much of their time. Too much argument in in court about getting people to appear before us. There was just too much for this to just be, oh, okay, we're good, bye. And if it was just a perjury charge or perjury charges, would that be acceptable to you? That's fine. I will be happy as long as something happens. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, radio doesn't do justice to this story because you had to see this one in her affectation and everything else. But is this infuriating or what? Oh, by the way, when she first popped up, um, she spoke to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the big newspaper down there. And um, and she told the Atlanta, Jury Constitu- Atlanta Journal-Constitution that when she swore in one witness, the late, Georgia, the late Georgia House Speaker, David Ralston, that she swore him in while holding in, her, in one hand a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle ice pop, which she had obtained at a social event hosted by Willis's, the DA's office. 
I don't know what element of that is more b- bizarre, the fact that there is such a thing as a Mutant Ninja Turtle Ice Pop, that she's holding it in her hand or that she got it at a social at the district attorney's office. Look, here's what's frustrating about this. She, she's wrong. That she, her job might be to say that nothing should happen. The presumption has to be, and maybe that's the through line of these different things, that the presumption is that anyone who stands before the bar of justice has done something wrong. It's so manifestly unfair. Now, I don't know, you know, probably whoever gets indicted, if anyone does, will probably point back to this and say that there was bias there. Your job, and this is true of district attorneys too, your job as a grand jury is not to something to happen. That the idea is to say, you know what, I don't know if a law was broken here. We recommend nothing happens. But just the just the abject tone deafness in this important issue, and I don't know what they're going to do down there. I know Rudy Giuliani is one of the people that was interviewed by the grand jury. I mean, they, this is this is real. This is real heavy duty stuff. And I've I've been through. I've been at the other end of this. The the presumption of is that to be a presumption of innocence? And she's talking about how her presumption is that there's a presumption. Of guilt, and she's. Oh, I hope that I didn't waste my time. Hey, honey, it's not. That's not what you're there for. And 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 so the credibility of this whole thing, and obviously Donald Trump jumped right on it, and some of the, I heard some of the lawyers for the other witnesses the same way jumping on this thing. I mean, here's what's important about all these things: the way that district attorney was talking about Alec Baldwin's case, as it's outrageous that Alec Baldwin actually had a lawyer or whatever it is. The 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 statistics that I read you about. Ninety-eight percent being plea bargain. Yeah, ninety-eight percent of the people that they charge, they get a hundred. They get it right. Come on. The whole problem with this is this whole idea is that district attorneys and prosecutors are hugely important in our system because they get they get some then they get get someone get elected. District attorneys get elected. <clears throat> we can throw them out when when Lee Zeldin said he wanted to throw out Alvin Bragg. I said that's not your job. That's the job of the voters. I, but. Ultimately, they're they're not there to prosecute. They're there to try to find and seek justice, like what is fair, what's just here under the law. And if the presumption becomes, whether it's by that grand jury forewoman, that district attorney in New Mexico, all of those prosecutors who who, who I read of those statistics, 98 percent. Can you imagine only 3 percent of cases go to trial in New York and put yourself in my shoes? They say to you, look, there's your lawyer says there's plenty of evidence that shows that there's plenty of evidence on your side here. There's plenty of evidence uh, that says you shouldn't be charged for this. There's plenty of evidence that says plenty of plenty of that. And then they say to me that I want to that I, they have made it clear that if you agree to this plea bargain, and I was charged with obscenity. You agree, agree to this plea bargain. If you don't agree to the plea bargain, they're going to charge you with something else that has a mandatory minimum. And I also want to tell you that they're the federal government and you're, you know. I'm just saying that that we have to keep track of the idea that what left and right all should agree upon is that there's awesome power that we give to the government. And that we have to call it out when it's abused. And maybe it's not abused by this woman. Who knows? I mean, this, this jury four-woman course. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We're talking about the state of law, some hot takes. want to touch on a little bit the beginning of year two of the war in Ukraine. But let's take some calls first. Love to hear what you have to say. 
Coming in at 3 o'clock, Curtis Lee was going to be here. We're going to talk a little bit about his new, Demo- his new Republican club. We're going to talk about the baseball shot clock, some other things in the news. But let's go to, uh, to the calls. Uh, Robert in Sussex. Robert, welcome aboard. Hi. Good afternoon, Anthony. Hi, Robert. Uh, there are what's called pretrial discovery. Those emotions which the attorney makes on the defense – so that the evidence is revealed to the attorney. And sometimes it depends on the charges and the laws in this particular state, or if it's federal, that the defendant can see the evidence against him or her. Yeah, that, that that's true. Robert, you're right about that, but that's that's when you go to trial. Very often if you're... If you're pleading out, one of the things that it was suggested by the ABA in the report that they put out that showed how few people go to trial is that they suggest like allowing full discovery um, before you you accept a plea bargain. Um, that would be a way to that would be a way to make sure. I mean, let's face it. The, I mean, if you're a prosecutor and you and you see a major flaw in your case, but you're pretty sure the other guy did it. Let's just say that you're pretty sure the guy sitting in front of you did it. Um, you might want to say, listen, take, take two years rather than 10 or 15. By the way, also, there's, there's also an element of just stacking charges. Like when they, there are a lot of states that still have three strikes and you're out things, just stacking these things on top of each other. Someone could be facing a choice between five years and 25 years. So imagine being in that position. Imagine being, imagine being, you know, someone who's faced that. It almost doesn't matter when you whether you did it at that point. It becomes simply a matter of playing the odds, and that's not the way that this is supposed. That's not the way this is supposed to work. You're supposed to be trying to suss out justice. You're supposed to be trying to find out who did what. When we come back, we'll take a few more calls. Also, want to touch base a little bit on the second year of the war of Ukraine, and also look at something that that Ron DeSantis said that I thought was very revealing. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you on the other side. I'm the innocent bystander. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Talking about the law, Ryan bring us in with another clever cut. I fought the law. That's the that's the Clash version of the Robert Fuller Four, something Fuller Four, who did the original. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. This is the middle. We're bringing you to three o'clock. Then Curtis comes in at three for left versus right. Then at four o'clock, Rob Astorino has an interview with Congressman George Santos, and you want to tune in for that. Well, just because you never know what that guy's going to say. So it'll be interesting to hear. Um, so we're talking about some of the issues of, of the day as it relates to the law. But I do want to I do want to make sure that we touch on another number, because this is the first day of the second year 
of the war in Ukraine. Probably we're going to talk about a little bit with Curtis. 200,000 Russian casualties, uh, 60,000 killed by our estimates. I mean, no one knows for sure. And uh, listen, a year ago, go back and play the tape. By the way, next week is our 50th our 50th show, so maybe we'll, we'll go back and play some tapes. You know, did any of us think that this would be the way where we would be sitting? I mean, how – you know, the, and don't get me wrong. I mean, horrific destruction, war crimes being committed, civilians, you know, civilians being killed. But the Ukrainians stood up, and we and the rest of the world stood up with them. And Putin is losing. Is he pulling NATO apart and stopping its expansion? Nope. Talk about this, by the way, at length in episode 18 of The Middle Unplugged, the podcast I do on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I mean, there's going to be two new members of uh, just since the war. Is he liberating, as he would say, Ukraine from Western influence? Remember, Ukraine kind of had this tension within that country. Is it a European? Is it Russian? You know, it had this tension that went on in its politics. Well, no, if anything... It's driven Ukraine into the arms of the EU. They'll be joining the EU soon. And with all our infusions of military and the and the NATO infusions of military, their military is being converted basically to a Western military. And is he bringing Europe to its knees with his control of oil? Nope. If anything, it has turned Germany from a country that had preferred to stay on the sidelines to one now that is really leading the charge against him. And they're the ones who are suffering the most from the cutoff of Russian oil. But there are still some critics, and one of them appears to be Ron DeSantis. Listen to what he had to say. Uh, you know, but, but, sir, we've seen incoherence from this administration, no defined policy on Ukraine, no defined objective of what winning, you know, looks like. I think a lot of Americans are, are asking, you know, how much more money, how much more time, how much more human suffering? Well, they have effectively a blank check policy with no clear strategic objective identified. And um, these things can can escalate. And I don't think it's in our interest to be getting into proxy war with China getting involved uh, over things like the borderlands or, or over Crimea. So I think it would behoove them to identify what is the strategic objective that they're trying to to achieve. Uh, but just saying it's an open ended blank check, uh, that is not acceptable. So that's interesting on a lot of levels. You know, one, by the way, standing in Staten Island when he gave that interview, it's interesting on a lot of levels. One, when a governor is going to run for president, the first thing that comes up is what are his views on foreign policy? Is he ready for those challenges? So there is some polling that came out this week that arguably shows he's the front runner. I still think Trump wins, but we've got to take him seriously as one of four or five people in the United States of America that might be the president in 2024. So, we don't really know what he thinks about foreign policy. We know, you know, don't say gay, book banning, whatever these things, fighting with Disney. We know all that stuff. But we didn't know. We don't know much about this. So first of all, let me have a maybe a word with you, Mr. DeSantis. This whole notion of there's not a check. That's what there's not a blank check. There's not anything check. What essentially we're giving them weapons. Now, do we have to then spend money to then replenish those weapons? No, we're we're giving them weapons to defeat an enemy of ours. That's what this check is. And this whole idea, we don't want a proxy war. Hey, that's the best kind of war. What's the alternative to a proxy war? 
our defining national policy for generations now has been to help our friends fight their own wars so that we don't have to fight them. That's why we're in NATO. That's why we send arms to to Israel. That's our whole, that's foreign policy. To say you don't want to do that, the alternative is that our troops go there and do this stuff. Democrats and Republicans alike, the middle, all of us kind of agree with the idea is if we should get these people fighting to defend their own countries. I mean, some people are more interventionist, some people are more isolationist, but that's something we all kind of agree upon. It's kind of common sense. So what is this? This is a proxy war against an enemy. Yes. This is the Ukrainians are they're not willfully in this situation. They were invaded. But now they're there. And so is it open-ended? Well, I'm sorry. I don't I don't know what the what the alternative to open-ended is. Is that I mean, you know, open-ended is usually a pejorative almost in every sense unless it's open-ended love and generosity. Uh, oh, I just got a text Jordan got a goal. That would be amazing if it was true. Um, anyway, it's much more serious what we're talking about. But, you know, I understand where Ron DeSantis is coming from. There is this fringe element of the Republican Party that can only be described as so virulently anti-Biden that they're almost pro-Putin at this point. And some of them talk like they are pro-Putin. And remember, some of it, it requires you to be, you know, because of what Trump went through and all the, you know, the Russian attempts to influence our election, all these different things. But I think that actually the correct place here for most Americans and the overall majority of the Republican Party, which is where I think Ron DeSantis may want to be looking, is to say, yeah, we're, we're not going to back down. And then the other thing that also that frequently comes up around this is, well, what about the nukes? Well, I... I don't quite understand the logical extension of that argument. Does that mean that any country that has nuclear weapons, we are going to capitulate? I mean, no. I mean, you know, all they have to simply because they have nukes means we're not going to stand up to them. Quite the opposite. You know, I was talking about the relationship between China and Russia now and how important, you know, what is China going to do? Well, if you think China thought that going into Taiwan would not get, you know, kind of an international pushback and the world would not stick together and everything else. They, they're learning here. Imagine the alternative. So I get, you know, and Ron DeSantis is going to have plenty of time to kind of clean up his position on this stuff. He's new at this. He's been a, we don't know him all that well. He's going to get, he's going to have really, you know, the best advisors that there are. But so far his path to the White House has been to try to be the, the social issue warrior, the culture, the, the, the culture war warrior that Republicans saw in Donald Trump and they think they can get in this guy and he doesn't have some of the baggage. Okay, maybe that's true. But when it comes to foreign policy, it doesn't really work that way. There's not a culture war kind of take unless you're going to be an isolationist. And, you know, it, 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 we're doing okay here. I mean, all things being considered, I mean, imagine the scenario that it would have been if the Russians had marched into Ukraine, had marched through that country, had blown through the borders. You know, that's another point that I make, and I, he, didn't, he didn't make it in that cut, but I've heard other people say this. I think Don DeSantis said it later on in that same interview. 
He says you should be less concerned about Ukrainian borders than our southern border. It's a great line. But isn't it the opposite? Isn't it really the opposite that how can we complain about the sovereignty of borders and the sovereignty of nations if we're going to let other countries just wantonly erase them? And can't and honestly, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can we're capable as a country of figuring out our border policies and supporting our allies. Putin is not a good guy. He is he does not he's not someone, you know. He's not someone that I think capitulation would be. He he has fantasies, I'm sure, of reconstituting the old USSR. This is a legacy project for him. Now, where it goes from here, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know. But is this question, you know, do we have, is this a blank check? Yeah. I mean, if, if you mean by checks, I mean, do we give them guns and bullets to shoot at our enemies for us? Yeah. I think that's not a bad yes. I don't see the alternative. Losing certainly doesn't seem to be a great alternative. Look, we're a powerful country. And we are constantly tested with this question of how do we balance our ability to go do things at the point of the sword and the folly of like whether that's good policy, bad policy, is it motivated by the right things? This case is not a hard one in my view. You have one country invading another that's turning to us for help, who happens to be a rival of ours on the world stage, who does not does not share America's interests, meaning Russia. Right on the border of an organization that is the front line for us, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. We have obligations under that treaty. And that's then that's not what this now Ukraine's not in NATO. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying that that we we have interest in that part of the world. And you have a vigorous. Patriotic war fighting apparatus that we just need to help. Why do we have these guns and these bullets and these planes and tanks? We have them to shoot and kill our enemies. Well, Ukraine is fighting a war against our enemies. And if we can get them more guns to do it, let's do it. Are there lines that we have to figure out how we navigate? Like, you know, what weapons to give them? For one thing, they should only be getting weapons they know how to use. And that's part of the problems with the F-16 argument. Is that, you know, the amount of training that's required to do that. Also, what kind of weapons they need. They, You know, we're giving them weapons to shoot down drones. We're giving them weapons to, we're giving them artillery. We're giving them bullets and guns and Putin is losing and if Putin's losing that means the United States of America is winning when we get back we'll have some closing thoughts the board is filled up by uh, we covered a lot today Jordan scored a goal they're winning two to nothing in their second game good way to go kiddo and we'll be back this is the middle I'm Anthony Weiner so great to have you along we'll see you on the other side 
Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. Ah, I see what you're doing here. This is Anthony Weiner listening to the middle. That's Bob Dylan bringing us in with the story of a hurricane. This uh, ballad about Hurricane Carter. We're talking about crime, criminal justice. We're also talking about Ukraine. Got a couple of updates on the Wiener family front. Jordan scored a goal, which is amazing. They tied their first game 0-0. They play these 20-minute running time games, and it looks like they're winning the second one by a bunch, so that's great. And Fran Wiener, my mom, the math teacher... She just texted me to say, you know, I, I told you at the beginning of the show I have to get cataract surgery on my left eye. I asked the doctor, can I just wear a monocle? thought that would go, that would go well here at the station. She says that you're not, she says you're, you've, you've got, you're like, you were shot or something like that. Like you're tranquilized. I don't care. I don't want, the, the idea is that I'm still awake. I'm like kind of awake. It's not like you're, it, I mean, I think we agree on this. I'm kind of awake. And the idea is I can't just close my eyes and not watch them, right? My eye has to be open. So that, that part has me freaked out. I'm being comforted by mom all these years later. Uh, so let's go to get some, some calls here. First, let's go to uh, Ed in Newark. Ed, go ahead. Welcome to the middle. Are you with us, Ed? Uh, let's try Denise in Queens. Hi, Denise. Hey, Anthony, it's Denise. Um, listen, do you ever wonder why that's, you, why that's not Joe Biden? Do you ever think that you're not looking at the real Joe Biden? I mean, you've been in politics enough to know that that's not really Joe Biden. And so that means something, okay? Yeah. The second thing is the reason why Russia is in Ukraine, they are aiding the U.S. military to clean out the dumps, the bio labs, the adrenochrome production, the child trafficking rings in deep, deep state Ukraine. And these tunnels. Yeah, that's right. So, all right, I just want to summarize. We, we don't have a lot of time left in the show, so I want to make sure we get to Denise's two important questions. One, of course it's not the actual Joe Biden. It is a doubleganger. It is probably, I'm going to say, someone from a from another civilization which has taken over his body. Actually, I've been watching this show. I don't know if Ryan's been watching it. This show, Last of Us, this, it's about, it's another zombie show. I'm not into zombie shows, um, but maybe it's a situation like that. And, yes, we not only have a deep state here in the United States, we have one in Ukraine, um, in, in Ukraine as well. You know, this is actually an interesting point. I know, I mean, I... I'm I'm making a little bit of fun, and I do appreciate Denise calling. But we do have this problem that almost every issue under the sun, the path from getting news and going to some far-out conspiracy theory is that takes two two seconds. Um, You know, 
we are so, such an appetite for these crazy theories. And then you go online and you look at where they came from and you realize because I, mean, I don't I wouldn't be getting these stories unless I went out and looked for them. But um, but indeed, there is there is all of this. There are conspiracy theories out there that do allege that Joe Biden is not. It is not the real him that hits some kind of uh, deep state body double. He does look, you know, you know, you know when Joe Biden looks the the oldest, and and again, I have you've heard me do. I did a whole show on this that I thought I think there should be a constitutional amendment capping the age um, that you you can be to be president, and I think it should be seventy five, and I think you can't run if you're over that, and I think that would that would mean that both Donald Trump and Joe Biden wouldn't be able to run. That's what I believe. I believe there's a constitutional amendment on that, but. You know, I and I think Joe Biden's done a good job as president. Not everything he's done that I approve of, et cetera. But the times that he looks the oldest and the frailest is when he is walking from when you can kind of see him at a distance walking like across the tarmac or something like that. Like the video of him walking in Ukraine. He looked he looks kind of he does look kind of frail, uh, but hopefully his mind is still there. Oh, finally, someone's going to going to offer me some advice. Maria and Rockaway. Maria, you've had cataracts. Yes, yes, I did. Um, I had my right eye done. And what they do is when they bring you in, you know, they give you, I guess, medication and all. But they put this, um, like, um, blanket thing over your face. And so so the eye that they're operating on is, like, exposed. But you really can't see because it's like a bright light. So you kind of hear what they're doing. And they actually talk to me and ask me questions and things like that while they were doing it. But um, you you don't really see anything. How yes. how was it? So tell me what the impact was. Did it was it difficult to recover from it? Did it improve your vision? How did it go? No, it um, it improved the vision. One of the things I had a choice. You have a choice of like two different lenses that they're putting in. So one was um, less expensive. One was more expensive. But they said that when you have uh, the more expensive one that it helps eliminate like distance, like in your glasses, maybe uh-huh. you have to wear in the future. And I'm actually, um, I go to um, the doctor this week and I'm getting my other, my left eye done. Well, good, um, good luck to you. And, and I, and I appreciate, I appreciate you calling. I'm, I'm glad it, it went, it went well for you. A couple of things about that that has me a little anxious. One is I have a little bit of claustrophobia. So like having a blanket over my head and not being able to see what's going on and, but if I'm going to get drugged up, I guess that's not that's not the worst thing in the world. And and if I have a choice with lenses, I'm going to go with X-ray. Can I get X-ray lenses? That, that's one I want to see through walls and stuff because I think that would be a pretty cool superpower to have. Um, you know what? Actually, what you're all kidding aside, what my doctor did say, and my mom affirmed this, is that is that you actually you see so much better when you're done. I my my doctor said I'm not going to need to wear contacts in that eye anymore. Um, like that's and and my mom says like the colors are so bright and everything else. So I mean, and it's 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 not a big deal. I mean, I've got many blessings and we have amazing healthcare here in in New York and um and I'm I'm lucky to be able to uh, I'm lucky to be able to take advantage of it. But thank you for calling in, um, Maria, John in Brooklyn. Go ahead, John. Thank you for taking my call. Listen, this girl, uh, Denise, who called in giving her uh, opinions on Biden and biolabs, I think you cut her off too quickly. She was making some very valid points. Okay. I appreciate your call. Thank you very much for calling. Um, next, let's go to Norman and Yonkers. The inaccuracy of using the term conspiracy theory. 
they are not necessarily linked. For example, Hitler was engaged in a conspiracy, which is defined as two or more people planning an evil deed. So conspiracy theory is used incorrectly very often, including you. No, I think that's right. I think you're right. It is a conspiracy. If it's with more than two people making a plan, it does have a a pejorative implication that you're conspiring to do something means that you're doing something you probably shouldn't be doing. But Norman's right. But I guess where it comes in is conspiracy gets used because it is confusing coincidence, meaning two things that happen together, with conspiracy, meaning a plan among people to achieve an outcome. That's why conspiracy theory has taken on the connotation that it does, because it is generally used to substitute a common sense Occam's razor version of what the facts are. And like sometimes things just are how they appear. And that's the one thing I've said this on the show before. The one general thing that I would say as someone who's been in government for a long time, who's now out of government, who doesn't have a, a stake in covering anything up, is that regular citizens too often confuse conspiracy for um, coincidence, meaning that government sometimes does stuff. Sometimes they do stuff and get it right. Sometimes they do stuff that get it wrong. Politicians sometimes do stuff. They get stuff right. Sometimes they get it wrong. Sometimes they get the intended outcome. Sometimes they don't. But looking for kind of patterns and plans and believing that everything is a 1718 level uh, plan and it's a chessboard that there's all these different pieces getting moved is usually not the case. Usually, you know, when things get screwed up, it's just they, they got screwed up and things happen. They just happen. And, and, and in the case of Ukraine, we don't need any wild theory about what's going on. You have a, a guy that's been in power a very long time, Putin, who has delusions of grandeur. And um, he's got a, a big military that he overestimated and he underestimated how much people are willing to fight for their freedom. It's been so great having you along here on The Middle. Coming up at 3 o'clock, Curtis Sliwa keeping you updated. Jordan's team won that second game. Um, stay tuned. Curtis and I are going to be talking about his new Republican club. Then at 4 o'clock, Rob Astorino has an interview with Congressman George Santos. You want to stick around for that. I'm so grateful to have you all along. We've had this issue, this addition. I did not become a lawyer. Maybe I'll tell you that story on the podcast. I'm Anthony Weiner. I'm so grateful for your support. And we'll see you on the other side of the break. I saw them leave and it says and it stops. One of us had better call up the cops. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.